0: Hey everybody, just want to give a quick heads up about this episode. We recorded this about a couple hours before this one, before I'm speaking about this, but I had some technical difficulties on my mic side. My, I record on an older computer, older laptop, and I guess something just started lagging a couple times in the middle of the podcast where our times didn't line it up at all. And then when I went to try to line them up, it just, my file just completely crashed. So, Noah's is intact, and luckily for the sake of this episode... This was just mostly talking and me chiming into a couple questions a couple stuff like that. So if you're listening to the podcast and there's a small gap of silence, hang on Noah will Noah will start talking immediately and yeah this is all about the fSU spring game if you can't tell by the title and all that stuff. So here we go.
1: this is no ordinary pun no ordinary pod and that is right Noah. this
0: is the no ordinary podcast on the radio st pete network and the no ordinary pods network that will be launched soon um that beautiful voice you heard was noah Hemer singing a rendition of Day's no ordinary love and noah how are things going up there in tallahassee the nation's capital
1: things are going great man you know um, I know that we always talk about weather, but weather's starting to turn, starting to get a little bit warmer, which I appreciate. Uh, school's going well. Spring games this Saturday. Really excited to go see my guys ball out. Um, hopefully it's not too rainy, but, you know, good stuff over here. going to good the game? Stuff. Oh, 100%, well, in that
0: case, kudos to you, man. Um, I never got to go to a spring game. I mean, I went to spring games, but... I never, but I was usually working, and if I wasn't working, then I didn't really attend it. I don't think so. That's just me, though. You're the diehard college football fan. Between us, I considered my time working at FSU more of a job per se than actually a love for the game, like you. I mean, you love the training and stuff like that. I love the equipment. I made a lot of good friends out of it. But it's a quick story time about the one spring game experience I remember very vividly is that it was 2013, the night before Jameis became Jameis overnight in the spring game to the long touchdown pass to the walk-on on on his first throw of the game. And I'm at home the night before the game. I'm watching – this is back when I was a big Lakers fan. Not the one – not what LeBron's done to my franchise, or that franchise, I should say. I'm watching Kobe will this team from just a very talented team with the Dwight Howard and Steve Nash. I'm just will them to the playoffs. And they were getting hot at the right time, and that's a team that nobody wanted to see. They beat the number one seed Spurs who went on to win the title that year. Or compete for the, yeah go to the yeah lose losing the finals yeah they lost in the finals did try to do the math yeah they lost in the finals that year I'm pretty sure and um I'm watching the game and Kobe goes down in the fourth quarter against Golden State Warriors before this is right this is before the Warriors became the Warriors he goes down and tears his Achilles and it was just a blow to me because I've invested so much into that Lakers season as a Lakers fan as all these things. So seeing them lose that game, they won the game, but seeing Kobe go down, my favorite player, most probably my favorite athlete in general, just go down at that time period. And then, to top it off, I wake up the next morning, and it's a spring game, and I felt like a sickness I never felt before. So I'm just in there laying down in the, in the equipment room, and I'm like, man, I am really sick right now. Wake up. I'm I'm on and off sleeping when the team comes in and something needs, when someone needs something outside, I run outside real quick. So I wake up the next day, I wake up again sick, even sicker. And sure enough, I have mono, which was terrible on surface, but it did kind of serve me a purpose because I wasn't, my grades that semester weren't the best. And this gave me an out to, you know, get some stuff, weighed. go to the doctor, say, hey, he has mine, I'll get the blood work done, He can't. I can't finish my classes, got to go home, yada, yada, Seinfeld reference right there, and it's just, and that was that. So that's my main spring game experience. Noah, what has you excited about this spring game?
1: Yeah, I was just looking at these rosters, I was trying to figure out where I wanted to start, and I think where I'm just going to start is just I'm going to break down each roster, um, highlight the guys that I like, and uh, go on from there. Uh, just to highlight the Garnet team, uh main contributors that uh people Florida State fans in particular uh maybe some national people that might be aware of uh Levante, Ta- Levante Taylor's on the Garnet team Cam Akers, Kalen Laborn, um DJ Matthews, um Landon Dickerson our best offensive lineman is on the gold team um and honestly big big Robert Cooper um is also on the gold team but I, I'm just gonna start by uh Talking about these running backs initially, um, going into... Can I interject
0: and ask a question real quick? Yeah, 100%. Please, please, please. So, just quick. This isn't about the running yes. backs. This is about Levante Taylor. Levante Taylor, his freshman year, played a little bit, played well. Sophomore season was, I'm 99% sure, was rated college football, pro football focuses, number one cornerback in terms of pass rating targeted against. What happened this season, man? I mean, he's he's a smaller size DB. He seemed to get attacked, especially in that first Virginia Tech game. Teams just kept going at him, and at him, and at him consistently. And it doesn't make sense to me why there would be such a big drop off. So I'm interested to see. You were there. You have a little insight. You were watching the game. I'm interested to see, hear what you have to say about this topic.
1: I think a lot of it is he didn't get a whole lot of, a lot of safety help over the top, and they we kept lining him up. On some of on on their team's number one receiver, and he just, for lack of a better way to put it, just kind of lacked the confidence. I think the defensive shift, um, going from Kelly's defense to, um, man, I'm blanking on who the D coordinator is. The old Michigan State D coordinator. Um, yes, yes, Harold. I'll look up his name um, while you're doing going all to this. Just, yeah, j- yes. Uh, but I, I think a lot of it was just change of scheme is kind of what made him feel out of place. Um, I didn't ever thought that we were he was getting played in the best way possible um, because when I was watching him in training camp, I was very impressed with how quickly he moved, the way he jumped routes, um, the way he read the eyes of the quarterback, but. When it came to the game, he just kept getting picked on and picked on and picked on, especially in man coverage against those bigger receivers. But I don't know if man coverage is necessarily his strong suit um, at all times against those bigger receivers. So I'm excited to... Go ahead. Interjection.
0: His name is Harlan Burnett.
1: Yes, Barnett. That's right.
0: If you struggle in man coverage as a DB, especially in today's football, how is that a... Like how, like how can, what can improve with him if he's a struggling man coverage DB?
1: It, it was, but it was just in the way in which we were scheming up um, because we were putting him on an Island and sending pressure, not always getting there and then not sending safety help over the top um, while he was being pressed and honestly bullied by these bigger, by these bigger receivers. But I didn't, I never thought it was a talent issue or an experience issue it, it to me as the season went on it became more of a uh, confidence issue and i think he started letting the noise get to him if i'm being 100% honest and the like you know the tweets and the instagram comments and things of that nature i think he started letting all that get to you like oh you're just too undersized yada yada, yada. and he kind of lost of who he was and wasn't 100% confident in his abilities um i ha- i'm not i've been working spring ball so i don't know exactly how how it's shaping up now, but that's why I'm excited to see what he can do on Saturday to see what's going to happen because the DBs behind Levante Taylor are very deep. We are very talented in the secondary. And if he's not playing up to his standard, then someone else is going to be playing up to their standard and that'll be higher than what he's playing at. Um, So with that being, and we have a very strong receiving core. I think our receivers and it's tough. I think our receivers are probably our deepest position. Receiver and running back are our two deepest positions for sure, and if he's been battling it, especially against like Terry, especially against smaller, quicker guys like uh, like DJ Matthews, Keyshawn Helton, people of that nature, if he's been battling with them and being able to keep up with them during spring ball practice, I'd like to see what he can do, especially with some more confidence and some more uh, comfortability in the scheme, um, but it just never seemed as if he was getting put in the best positions to succeed. Um with safety help over the top and running that, I would have bumped and, bump and run bump and ran him a little bit more um because there were times where he was playing off and I thought he should have been in their face and then times where he was in their face and I thought he should have been playing off um so I think it was just kind of more of a comfort level uh more so than anything, and a lack of confidence. but I mean when you watch him his sophomore year like the, the dude is uberly talented, it's just he's undersized. And he's got to be able to not get bullied in that way. But he got exposed this past year. And I also think, like, maybe it's not always keen to put him on. Like, you can't... I I don't think you should always be putting him on the number one receiver. um, Which sucks to say. But, like, you can't be putting him up against someone that's 6'4", 6'5", 6'3", 6'2 and higher, honestly. Just because he isn't the biggest dude and if you throw a jump ball there's not really going to be a whole lot that he can do about it um unless if he's just locked down and he has to be locked down every single time for that to not happen and that's that's tough of any db
0: 510 he's listed that a little generous i know people like to bloviate height and weight just to make people seem bigger and better so slightly yeah just slightly. I would I would say because yeah, that's common in high school sports, college sports, you want to make give yourself a bigger height just to make yourself seem bigger in scouts and then you see the person and they're a little smaller than you think.
1: No. Um but like I said, I saw him, he made several plays. He was I thought he was our best DB in training camp. And that's why I was so surprised with what was happening during the season. I and the biggest play he made was against that was at week 2 against Samford when he had that pick six to seal the win. Um, but other than that, he really didn't do a whole lot down the stretch. He got banged up a little bit. Um, but overall it was, uh, it was something that I was, I'm looking forward to see what he can do. Uh, cause he's a, he's, he's a tough guy comes, it comes into the training room all the time. He's working on his treatment working on getting better. Um, hard worker, soft spoken at practice, just kind of puts his head down and gets to work. And that's something I really appreciate and respect. Um, of his because i i I respect people that just come and do the work do what they got to do don't necessarily like i run my mouth i'm a trash talker but he he's really just all about business and then when he makes a play he'll do he'll then he'll you know stare you down give you the body language but other than that you know he he's strictly business so i'm again i'm excited to see what he can do against our receiving core because i think our receiving core are is our deepest position they're, like I look at the receivers that we have listed on both these rosters, and I'm like, yeah, all of these guys will contribute at FSU at some point. For the most most of these guys will all except for maybe two or three.
0: To build off that, looking at the receivers on the gold team, Tamari and Terry, um, your Boys, Keyshawn and Trayshawn, which we'll we'll hear about later. Um they're gonna give a different different look for Levante. Levante's gonna be going against a six five monster in Tamarian and a smaller guy and a couple smaller guys and Keyshawn Trayshawn. So he's going to be able to get practice. And if he's not already practicing against Chamarian every day and one-on-ones, then he should continue to get better. So that's the thing I'm looking forward to most with Levante Taylor going up against the receivers on the goal team.
1: It's Ke- Keyshawn and um, is, I don't think, I think uh, Keyshawn will be the speed guy on that side. And then the other speed guy that's on the team is DJ Matthews, but he's on the Garnet team. DJ Matthews is probably our the fastest guy on the team. Um, yeah, he's the one that returned the kick six, had the, uh, the punt, the, the return for six against Miami in that third quarter uh, to put us up. Oh, that turned out. Great game. Um, but just, but to kind of jump from the Levante Taylor back to these running backs So I think these two running backs on the on this Garnet team is is the highlight of this Garnet team. You got Cam Akers and Kalen LeBourne. Kalen LeBourne coming back from that pretty gnarly uh knee injury that he had uh, earlier in the season. He's finally fully back healthy uh at pra- uh, dominating a practice from what I've heard just and he's a he's a dude that really is always ready to ball. You know, it like, for example, he people asked him last year because last year was when I was like, Who is this kid, man? Because he had that long touchdown run and just outran everyone. And he sees a hole and he hits it. If there's no hole to hit and you're in the hole, he's going to run you over or he's going to break your ankles. Um, I think Kalen Labore might be our most talented uh, running back on the team. But at the same time, um, coming back from injury can be tough for anyone. Um, and trusting that knee can, or trusting any injury, uh, can be tough for anyone. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, how he bounces back and how much he trusts his knee, especially in the bigger stage, like the spring game. But the kid is a baller. And if he makes big plays, no one should be surprised at all because that's just what he does. I asked him, I I have a decent rapport with him and I asked him, Hey, why do you like football? He goes, I'm good at it. I love it. Like I, I love being, I love being good at football. So he just balls, and he knows he knows what to do, and he has great instincts. It's not necessarily something like how where he can come back to me and explain it, but you watch it, and he just does it. It's it's one of those things you you can't teach what he has. Um, he was in the training room doing doing the things that he had to do, and so I'm excited to see uh, how he bounces back, especially with that one-two combo of him and Cam Akers because from the look of it, um, it looks like the um, well, this, this, uh, this Garnet team has our best offensive line at Landon Dickerson. Um, Chaz Neal is up there in terms of our offensive lineman. Dante Lucas is a true freshman right now. He was an early enrollee from IMG and the dude is huge. He just like, I look at him and I'm like, there's, how are you a freshman? Um, big, big big dude plays guard and I would not want to get I would not want to have to go one-on-one against him so it looks like they're going to be going against they're, they're going to be uh having a pretty solid o-line in front of those two running backs so and they're I would assume they're probably going to be our top two running backs going into the season uh based off experience and talent at this point and it'll be fun it'll be fun to see a how this how Bryles has gotten this offensive line to where it needs to be but be how these two running backs going behind the same offensive line can navigate their way, um, can navigate their way and see how many who who can do what when the offensive line is performing and who can do what when the offensive line might slip or when they slip. Offensive lines are never perfect in any game, despite if you got if you got the Cowboys O line from a couple years ago or if you have FSU's O line from last year, like. You're gonna. You're either. You, some plays are gonna be great. Some plays are not gonna be. Not one might be more tendency to the other. But at the same time, um, it, it there's always room to see who's making something out of nothing and who's making big things when there's only a little something there. So it it will be fun to see the battle between it, for me in particular that's what I'm going to be watching when this Garden Teams on offense is what is Cam Akers doing when he gets the ball in his hands what is Kalen Laborn doing when he gets the ball in his hands and how do those two compare and I think that's something that the coaching staff's going to be wanting to look at as well because both of them are highly talented they could either of those two could go and trans, like if they were to transfer out either of them could go start day 1 at a lot of college a lot of schools across the country so for me that's who It's crazy to me how
0: um, Cabral LeBourne is back already. I mean, you can't go into too many specifics of his injury, but it's just crazy to me that he's back for a spring game after suffering a severe leg injury Um, about six, seven months ago.
1: um, I can't say too specifically um, because of HIPAA, but... If I'm remembering correctly, I um, I, can't specific, I can't say too specifically uh, due to the HIPAA laws. Um, I don't want to violate anything that I'm not supposed to, uh, especially with the opportunity that I've been blessed with with the Florida State sports medicine team. That's probably the biggest concern I would have. But I can say, because um, it was reported on the internet, that he did have surgery on his knee. And anytime you're going to be having any type of surgery, assuming that there was some type of tear um, because of how long he was out, um, you're going to be looking anywhere between a nine month and 15 month recovery, uh, probably closer to the 12 to 15 month mark to being fully healthy. Um, But the nine month mark is typically where people are aiming at. And that happened, uh, I want to say second week of the second week of the season, third week of the season. So mid-September, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, It's only been about seven, eight months, I wanna say. Um, So just to speak to that, that he's already back fully participating in practice, um, getting back after it, that uh, speaks to, I think, A, his work ethic, B, his uh, dedication to wanting wanting to get better, um, but also C, hats off to our sports medicine team, FSU, for uh, getting on him to get into his rehab and doing what he needs to do to be able to succeed. Uh, But also just his overall level, level of athleticism and talent uh, because not many guys that aren't going to be uber talented like him are not going to be able to come back um, at least and come back and perform at the level that we think that he may be able to perform at on Saturday. A little bit off what you're saying about his desire and athleticism.
0: This guy's coming back for a spring game. His spot on the team and placing the team pecking order is pretty much locked up. He's the number two guy behind Canmakers and a chance to be on the field with Canmakers at all times. And he's coming back for a spring game after... A terrible, terrible leg injury, and that shows you that this guy just loves playing football, and that's not, not true about everyone that plays sports at a collegiate level and like that at all. I mean, think about basketball. You see a guy that's six foot eight and above. What's your first reaction? Oh, this guy must play basketball. Hey, do you play basketball? Yeah, most likely do. And they're not always driven to play. Ba- they're always told to play basketball. They not They don't have the. A lot of them they don't have the drive, which is why. Some seven-footers, they may have all the athleticism in the world and the, and all that. But they're not in the gym working on their game because they just don't love. They're just told to play. Bec- they're just told to do it because they were tall. And seeing this and having guys like LeBorn who healthy, just healthy and just wants to play, that is exactly the type of people you'd want in your locker room, in your organization, and in a team that needs pe- needs. Not a r- 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 jolt, a jolt in them, but it's a team who needs players who just want to play for play football. Speaking of those players, there's a running back, f- former foot force running back that you want to talk about his NFL draft prospects and why you think he is such a steal as a late round pick, and that is Jacquizz Patrick.
1: Well, I was blessed and fortunate enough to kind of get a decent rapport with Quez. Um, he come in, I'd be you know always down to stretch him, you know, do the things I know how to do, but. What I love most about Quez, and any time I was watching the game, particularly when i when I was working refs and our offense was just stalling, I was just thinking or saying to whoever I was working with, I was like, we need to get Quez the ball, man, because every time every time Quez catches every time Quez has the ball in his hand, he's almost always getting positive yards of some nature. He's a bigger dude, you know, he was playing at like two forty, I wanna say, and he's dropped down to about two twenty-five, allegedly ran about a four five in at his pro day which yeah that's what that was my yeah that was my reaction to quez dropped down to 225 and ran a four or five, and i was saying i know that's what i'm saying um so that the, he you know supposedly he didn't get invited to the combine which i was like are you serious you're not going to invite quez of all people um but i even talked to him and i i i told him i was like hey man um I told him in the training room one day, closer to the end of the season, I was like, I don't know if people realize this, I don't know if you realize this, but I can't not tell you, you're going to be new school LeGarrette Blunt in the NFL, because he can run people over, LeGarrette Blunt was very proficient in the, in the pass game when called upon, could catch the ball, do the things that he needed to do always falling forward, always having people bounce off of him, but has the feet to move laterally still at that, at that size. And I remember I was at spring ball or we were not at spring ball. I was in training camp and there was a, I think a former player or a booster that went up and talked to Quez and he was like, Hey man, like you're looking great out there. Like I haven't, I never thought I'd see you move the way that you're moving out there. And he goes, yeah, I dropped some weight and I've been feeling a lot lighter, been feeling a lot better. And I noticed that because he was making people miss and it doesn't look the prettiest when he makes them miss. You're not like, oh my God, like he just destroyed that dude's ankles, but he still made them miss and he's still running forward. And the thing is, is you're never going to hit him hard enough where he's going to fall backwards. He's always going to fall forward. And and that's why whenever our team was stalling, I was like, get Quez the ball if you want to run the ball, because he will find a way to get at least three four yards out of nothing um so he's he he has the ability to move laterally while also still getting downhill he's not the fastest guy but i mean like you like supposedly he reportedly he ran a four five at his pro day which is nuts like you uh, your reaction alone kind of just speaks volume to that being i i saw i was expecting like a four four six four six two from him and he hit a four or five and I talked to him probably like two weeks before his pro day. I saw him out at, I saw him at the leech. I was working as a lifeguard and I saw him at the leech and I was like, Hey man, how you doing? How's your pro day prep going and all this stuff? And he's like, good, man. Like I've been training down. I think it's Orlando. I think, uh, wherever he's training, he goes, yeah, man, they have me getting right. You know, I'm dropping my body fat percentage. I'm really leaning out. I've been, I'm trying to get to down to 225, which has been really good for me. Um, and I told him, I was like, Hey man, like between me and you, I think you got underutilized here at FSU and not because you weren't good enough, but because you were always playing second fiddle to someone that everyone saw as a superior talent because they have more of a wow factor than you. Quez isn't going to wow you away, but he is going to produce year in, year out. Kind of like, I don't mean to make this Lottie comparison but kinda like a Frank Gore thing. When you watch Frank Gore play, he never really wows you like holy smokes, but he gets the job done day in, day out, year in, year out. Because, you know, Quez was playing first got here and was playing was playing with uh Dalvin Cook. And we all saw what Dalvin Cook could do. And then he uh Dalvin Cook goes, gets drafted by the Vikings, in comes five star Cam Akers. And it's like, all right, now he's going to be playing with Cam Akers, you know, one, one, two punch there. And the coaches get so excited about their new toys that they've just kind of forgotten what Quez is truly capable of and what he can really do. But he has like, I rarely saw him drop passes in practice. Very respectful, respectful guy. Always was putting in the work. Always was very soft smoking. Didn't really, you know, he'd joke around, but he was not one of those guys that's just being a kind of a hooligan in practice, as you know that they can be sometimes. Um, he was always about business. Always, always wanted to get the work done. Uh, me and him, I pretty much always stretched him every Sunday practice. He'd come up to me, he goes, "Hey man, stretch me out." Um, and we had a good rapport. I was asking him how he was doing, but I was always just telling him, I was like, "Hey man, you're gonna be new school to Garrett Blunt and whatever team." you go to is going to be like how did florida state not utilize him more how did you not get utilized in so many different ways he was 100 percent by far our best running back last year and it's not even close and pass protection and running the inside outside zone reads and the screen game and just uh, running routes out of the backfield he was by far and away our best running back and the thing is is he doesn't like i'm not i'm not saying you know injuries happen to people and some people i i don't truly believe that there's a thing called injury prone um i just think people kind of get unlucky at times and uh, or put themselves in bad situations to get hurt um but quez is a truck and he's coming at you and right when you think he's about to run you over he's going to sidestep you put stiff arm you to the ground and keep on rolling he is, whatever team, whatever team gets him is going to be head over heels ecstatic because he called himself in, in his pro day interview, he said, I am a three down back. And when he said that, I wasn't like, BS, no, you're not. I was like, uh, yeah, you are a three down back, Quez. And I'm glad you realized that because the Garrett Blunt was a three down back as well for whatever team he played on. And you can easily be a three down back for whatever team you play on.
0: And like you I was with I was with from one you're not n- directly with them because I work for tight ends not running backs but something that I like to see and notice with coaches is that coaches push the pl- push the players that they know can be great they're on them constantly they're on their they're on their butts at practice they're on they're yelling at them and stuff like that and it's just a tough love type of aspect especially that comes to football culture football culture and that's what our old running back coach, Jay Graham, did. And Jay Graham's one of the best running back coaches in the country, special teams guys in the country. And he was constantly on quest, constantly saying, Hey, you got to pick up this block. You got to run. Keep running, finish your blocks, catch the passes, all of these things. And if he messed up one, th- one time, Graham was on him. And that's the type of hard coaching that you may not, it may not work with everyone, but if you see them and you see players who are getting pushed by these coaches, because the coaches believe in them and it's not to say that the coaches don't push the lesser talented people or don't coach them the same but everyone's different and sometimes you need that constant voice in your ear just saying hey you can be great keep doing this and all that stuff and i got to see a little bit of the thunder and lightning in the fold with dalvin cook and jacques patrick but da- i mean like you said he was a dalvin but quest showed some flashes and in practice He's really good. He's strong at pass pro. He has he is he has good hands, and for the most part, that slim down weight that's a good thing. And it's like Odell Higgins. Odell's always had someone who he just picks on. somewhere's Eddie Goldman Jernigan, It's just always like that.
1: Coach Odell did that this year with our big man, Big Robert Cooper. Um, do you know anything about Big Rob?
0: Nope, not one thing.
1: He was a freshman, uh, D tackle. This dude was 350 plus. His knee braces, like, I clean... One of my tasks as an AT, as as a student athletic trainer, was to clean the knee braces after practice. W- yes, one of the most disgusting jobs I've ever had to do because... The,
0: you guys didn't have the sanitary stations to help you clean?
1: No. Man, that is terrible. They didn't let us, no. <laughs> yeah, so... We were cleaning them by hand, restrapping them up by hand, and I never had to look at whose knee brace it was when I picked up Robert Cooper's because they were literally twice the size of anyone else's on the team. This dude is a big, big man. And he's listed at for the spring game, weight-wise? No, what's he listed at? 365. Yeah, and he's actually – believe it or not, he's slimmed down. You know, like like he has – like he, he has lost some weight, like, and he moves well, but the thing is, is you're not moving him. He is not being moved and he's an athletic dude. Um, But that was something that we always, saw, I always saw from, or noticed from coach Odell was that he was always getting on coop, always getting on coop, always getting on coop, always getting on coop. And I had a, I have a feeling he was the same way with big Marv, Marvin Wilson, who is a stud by the way. Big Marv is probably the next... Whew, I mean, like, Brian Burns is probably going to go top 15. Big Marv's going to be right up there and go in top 15. Uh, hearing Odell yell at Eddie and, and all these people, Eddie, run him back the
0: ball. Timmy, come on, Eddie. Come on, it. But do you know who um, the last player that I was there, the player who he was constantly on?
1: Who? I'll give you a hint. He is... Was the next in next lineman drafted that's playing in the NFL? I mean, the only one that I can really think of off the top of my head is Derek Naughty.
0: Correct. And you've said so. You've told the yoga flexibility about him, about Nottie and stuff like that. To impress you? I just have a quick Derek Naughty story. So, like I said, constantly getting pushed and all that stuff. And one day, Noddy just didn't lose it, but was just like, just started laughing because Odell's on him. And he goes, "Why'd you recruit me? Why'd you recruit me, Coach?" And it was one of the funniest moments I've ever seen in practice because you have just this lovable, lovable beast in Derek Donati. And then he's just finally just like, man, I'm doing my job. I'm doing the best I can, the best I can ability. Why did you even bring me to the school if you don't think I can do it at a high level? So with that being said, it's just, not, a great guy. Odell's a great coach. He's back to Coop real quick. Um, is he m- nimble, or is he more like a Gilbert Brown, or is that ahead of your
1: time? I mean, I mean, it, he is a little slightly ahead of my time. Um, but you, sh-
0: you should Google a picture of him because that it was a monster for the Packers.
1: Um, I was always surprised because I knew how big Coop was, and I and I knew because I cleaned his knee braces. You know, like I knew how big this man was. Um, but I was always very impressed with his feet and how quickly he could move. Um. So, and Coach Odell does wonders with the D line. Wonders. It's awesome to watch him operate with the D line. Come on, Marv. Come on, Marv. Let's get him, Marv. Come on, my good. My- <laughs> you know it's good. Eddie, get back to the ball, Eddie. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you
0: know. He's just a lovable man. He's just a great guy. Represents you F- know it, man. Represents FSU so well too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's so much fun to watch, man. He's he's a ma- he's a chef and he's just prepping all of his players, man. And it's awesome. It's fun to watch, but that's that and and, and to kind of just circulate back to to my man Quez uh after that, you know, little rabbit hole we just kind of went down. Um yeah, every t- every time, every every single time. This is truly no ordinary pod. Um, <laughs> um but Quez, I, I I've told him I believe in him. I think he's going to... I've been telling people ever since probably like two, three weeks into camp. I was like, Quez, if he may not be the greatest FSU running back of all time, but that dude is going to make so much money in the NFL because he's going to be so valuable for so long, like Garrett Blunt was, like, like Frank Gore is. Um, those two are the specific ones that come off the top of my head in terms of longevity of running backs that just consistently get the job done
0: speaking of frank gore he's seen i wrote an article about the bill for the about the bills a couple this earlier this week and then i wrote that frank gore's just to bring your lunch pail to work type of guy you know he's this guy who's just gonna come in do his job work hard keep his head down and do all that stuff and that's why i feel quez in that Barbara but do you think that 225 is going to impact his ability
1: with power per se not at all the dude the the dude the dude is a tank like he looks like you look at him and like I've I've seen him around the training room lately, around the stadium lately. And yeah, he, you can tell he, he doesn't look a whole lot slimmer, but he moves like he is slimmer. In my opinion. It's impressive. The fact that you he's still
0: that you can say that he's keeping up the strength on top of losing that weight and slimming down. That's I mean that, we usually hear these stories with NFL draft prospects all the time like oh so and so slimmed down did slim down his weight and all that stuff but a lot of them use that lose that power. The thing about Quez, the thing that I love seeing the most is that he tramples DBs. He gets those extra two or three yards. He Falls forward. We used to love Ronald Jones as a prospect. He would always fall forward. And that's the same thing with Quez. And a player I see a comp is Latavius Murray. That's a good. That's a good comparison. And they're both taller running backs. Have a little bit. They can. They're better in the pass game and more nimble than they than they're led on to be. But, um, but as a most part, they're just power backs and they're and they can give good spells. And you know, with Latavius Murray gone in New Orleans, you know, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be ironic that if a team took a late round flyer on Jaquez would be the Minnesota Vikings pair him and Dalvin Dalvin Cook up once again. Because two running backs on rookie contracts, especially you have to pay, can't trust Kirk. That much money guaranteed, you're gonna need a draft running back to spell Dalvin, especially Dalvin's injury history. But looking at this rest of this garnet team and stuff like that, this our secondary is stacked. I'm seeing players like Kyle Myers, Jordan Levante Taylor in this in this fold. I'm seeing people I never heard of honestly listed at stars and stuff like that. So like to hear your insight because there's players I don't know. Maybe that's just me because I'm naive to the, the DBs that think So, just names you're looking at on this roster.
1: We're getting Carlos Becker back as well. He was one of the. He would he play he, he didn't play, last year I don't think at all, um, but he was one of the, big his I think it was his freshman year though when we won the Orange Bowl he played a big role in. He played a big role in getting that win against Michigan in that secondary, uh, rotating between safety and I think nickelback at times. Um, and so I'm excited to see what he. Oh, whoa, hey, they. Oh, wow, this is huge. Um, I didn't realize this. Um, on the Garnet team, uh, is number 23 Hamza Nasruldeen listed as a linebacker?
0: Yes, he is. He's listed at star.
1: Wow, that's huge. On the basis that he was playing safety for us last year, and he was probably our hardest hitter. And our, as of right now, our, our at least at the end of the season, our linebacking depth was not there. Was not where we need to be. And I had no idea that he got shifted down to play. I'm assuming inside, uh, or he's listed as the star. Yes position him and would be or him and would be listed list, is would be also listed as star
0: no Woodby is listed as a safety and i feel like that's a more comfortable position for would be you have him there and you have nazir dean um, buck his name he is a, he is listed as the star
1: yeah so they they have hamza at star yes that is correct
0: now for the first time in a while i feel like we actually have some quality dbs who are going to be playing in roles that they're more suited
1: for oh it's it between Jaden would be um stanford samuels was playing safety for us for so long and they finally moved him to corner after i was thinking that they should have done that for weeks and they moved him down to corner and i was like that is exactly where stanford needs to be playing because yes yeah, number eight yes um has the nice hair um
0: you know i'm a fan of nice hair so i'm automatically a fan
1: yeah uh, but he got moved down and he's longer I' probably he's probably listed six two probably 210 or so I would guess um, I, I'm not looking at the official roster to see where they I don't have their measurements in front of me yeah <laughs> okay so smaller in size than what I thought um, But he has great feet, has very long arms. Um, So, like, between Jaden Woodby, Stanford Samuels, um, A.J. Litton, number 12, was one of those bring your lunch pail type of uh, to work type of guys who didn't really say a whole lot, but consistently he would make a play and be like, oh, wow, okay, I see you, A.J. Um, For future reference, you and I need to
0: come up with the more modern version of bring your lunch pail to work. It's 2019 and this phrase has been around for a while i appreciate old phrases and stuff like that but come on there needs to come a time where you and i can put our heads together come up with the more modern version of things a lunch pail to work anymore i don't i doubt you do
1: no i understand um and then we got two i mean we got asante samuel jr who played as a true freshman last year who in my opinion, was one of our better DBs. He's undersized, but the dude is tenacious as can be, and he is not scared of anyone. He will get in anyone's face at any time and talk smack, and then he will turn around the next play and beat you one-on-one from whatever they're doing. Asante Samuel is fun to watch. Number 27, Akeem Dent, is the um, five-star recruit that was one of the early enrollees that's also... Um, according to uh, one of my student athletic trainer friends, says that he's been balling. Um, moving down the list, we got... Oh, that's it That's it for DBs that I see. Um,
0: Outside of the DBs you've already listed, I'm just looking at the rest of the roster. You have an Amari, Amari Gaines guy. I've never... These are guys I've never heard of. I mean, he's number 33, which means he's already a, one of my favorite players, strictly because that's my own football number.
1: Yeah, so Amari... Um, Amari, yeah.
0: I mean, he's six three. That's just crazy for his size and stuff like yeah. that to be listed as at the position he's currently listed at for the spring game, at least.
1: Um, he's really long, and is a long strider. Um, I'm really excited to see what Amari can do because a lot of the times I was watching him in practice. When he knew what to do, like, without a doubt and did not hesitate, he was one of the best players on the field. But it was about him knowing and being confident in his decision of what he needed to do a lot of the time. Exactly. But when he wouldn't hesitate and when he was confident in himself and would go make the plays that the dude is uberly talented. He was actually, he could have easily gone and played college. I think he got drafted in pro baseball. If I'm being hundred percent honest. Um, I'm pretty sure. I know that he was, I know that he was one heck of a ball player. Um, cause I've talked to him about it and he goes, yeah, dude, I used to, I love playing baseball. Like he talked to talked at length of how he had to decide between baseball and this, um, so I want to say I'm fairly confident he got drafted or got looks to go play college ball at the minimum. Um, so I'm excited to see, like, again, uh, he was just a true freshman last year. So I'm excited to see what he comes and does after having that full, because a lot that, that's the difference between some freshmen and another. Some freshmen don't get razzled by coming in because they're like, oh, it's just football. It's just school. I know how to do those two things. Other freshmen get razzled a little bit and they forget that it's just football and just school at a higher intensity and they kind of get distracted or homesick and they get down on themselves. Like people fail to take those things into account because like I've been a college freshman, you've been a college freshman. I can't speak to your experiences, but like I was homesick my freshman year and I had a hard time at times, you know, being in Tallahassee and being fully myself and being confident and things of that nature. And so I can only imagine what it's like even more so when you have the spotlight on you and if you're not performing as well as you would like to immediately or what you're used to and doing Uh, in practice like against lower competition in high school it can be hard on the mental if you're not mentally ready to take on those challenges so again I'm excited because our freshman class from this past year was just oh my goodness man just like they were always make flashing plays left and right and it was so much fun to watch Um, so again just another dude that I'm excited to see what he can do and they have him listed at the star position correct that's that's a great yeah so that star position i think is kind of like that that essentially is like that in the box safety that it's someone that can come down to the box cover a tight end cover a slot receiver but also is big enough to just man and man run support and he has started to feel like i've watched him hit the weight room he has started to fill out he has started to put some get some amari gains on him uh just for the obvious, just, just, just for the obvious pun there. Um, and he, he, he's, he's in good position to make, to make a lot. Like I said, this team is extremely talented. Like I'm just looking at this talent and it's just like, oh my goodness. Like there are so many guys on here that I can see doing so many big things. Um, so again, I'm I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see what Amari can do. But again, I'm going to have even more thoughts after the spring game about what all these uh, about what all these guys can do. Um, I do want to highlight um, two of my my two favorite players. There's no way that we could talk about the spring game without me highlighting my two favorite players. You've heard me talk about them at length. Anyone that knows me here at, at Florida State knows that I talk about these two at length. Anytime that I see and get to say hello to them or talk to them at all in the training room or whatever... I am just like infatuated. It makes my I could be having the worst day in the world, and I'll be happy. I'm the biggest fan girl when it comes to these two. Uh, number twenty, Keyshawn Helton, and number eighty eight, Trayshawn Harrison. Um, when I first started working practice, uh, Keyshawn on the first day of they had a, just a freshman practice on the first day, cramped up really bad. So I was told I was told that I needed to make sure that he got water. And got lots of fluids because he was running like he was not he didn't have any subs when it was just a freshman practice he was just going the entire time so my boss Cruz was like hey you need to make sure that Keyshawn is always going to water and I was just like yes sir so I'm always making sure and I'd be like hey Keyshawn do you need any fluids and if he said yes you know I get him his fluids if he said no he go, "Nah, appreciate you though Noah and not many players would ever thank me and not many players would ever tell me that they appreciate me nonetheless um, but he was always one of those guys that always was respectful. And anytime he asked me for something, um, I was obviously a hundred percent down to do it. So on a personality standpoint, he has the personality to be great. He has the work ethic to be great. Um, now on a football performance level, this dude is on a different level because I was always watching practice. Okay. And I, my, I, I was with the receivers And when I was watching practice, you know, I I, I got to watch the quarterbacks or the receivers. I thought that I was with the best position group possible because I get to watch the best action all the time. And Nooney made some pretty impressive catches, uh, pretty acrobatic catches because he's really good at route running and he has great hands, great hand-eye coordination. Not the fastest dude, not the quickest dude, not the tallest dude, but Nooney got the job done because he's good at route running and can catch the football. Take all of that and put it in a more athletic specimen, and that's what you have in Keyshawn Helton. His route running is refined. His technique is refined. His mental game is refined. He's will. He. I swear to God, I saw this dude dive or make some crazy catch at least one time in every single practice it- during camp, every single one. And I was like, this dude is the truth. He's laying out for balls, going after it, running guys, like outrunning dudes that shouldn't, um that he shouldn't be and running over people that he shouldn't be you know he he's doing a lot of impressive things that I was like this dude is going to be a stud and after um the first week of camp I saw Treshawn and Keyshawn in the locker room and I was just like you know what dude just go and do it so I went up to him and I was like hey y'all just so you know just so you know I've been watching you guys a lot um as long as you two keep balling and doing what you're doing no one here can hang with y'all. Not a single person can hang with y'all if y'all just do what y'all know how to do and you keep working and getting better at what you guys know how to do. And at first they were kind of like, like, who is this kid telling me this? And then I ended up, and then they kept making plays of practice. So I kept telling them like, after they would impress me for another two, three weeks, I'd be like, hey, y'all, just so you know, like we were at IMG and at the end of the IMG thing, I was like, hey, none of these guys can hang with y'all if y'all keep doing what you can do. And now I have a pretty good rapport with Keyshawn and Treyshawn, but- that's that's just how, from the get-go, these have been my guys. like These two are the reason I am going to the game. I have been telling everyone that has ever talked fo- FSU football with me, I go, hey, no one knows this because no one, there's no way for anyone to know. But Keyshawn Helton is about to be everyone's favorite player. And do you know, and I, I'm going to look this up to make sure I'm 100% right Um, do you know who his, do you know who his uncle is? Uh, Keyshawn Harrison? No, Keyshawn Helton is his name. Treshawn Harrison is the other one. Do you know who Keyshawn Helton's uncle is? Did he play football? Yep, Florida, former Florida State great.
0: Uh, was he a wide receiver?
1: No. What position did he play then? I think he'll give it away almost immediately. Uh, Linebacker.
0: I'll go with Marvin Jones. Nope.
1: Derek Brooks. Ah. The nephew. And his son's on the team, too. Yes, who I also used to play football with at one point. Fun fact.
0: Yeah, and he's from Gaither, too, which is the school I'm zoned for right up the street. So, kind of ironic all this is pulled together. Derek Brooks has two. People that he's really doing. Yeah, so
1: he's so he's, and this is kind of my theory on on uh, on athletes because you know uh, Keyshawn Johnson. Do you know who his nephew is?
0: Um, Keyshawn Johnson.
1: No, Keyshawn Johnson, old nineteen, used to play for the Bucks. All old, old school guy. Mm-hmm. His 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 nephew is Michael Thomas of the Saints.
0: Ah.
1: Yeah. So this is; those are the only two scenarios where I know. Like, so it's very small sample size, but Keyshawn must have gotten some of the genes f- from Mr. Brooks. Who's your favorite player, Mr. Derek Brooks? Well, we can just substitute Mr. Derek Brooks, and we can just input Ke- who's your favorite player, Mr. Keyshawn Helton. because this dude man is uh, he is he's going to do so many things. And I am so excited to see what he can do because no one knows about him. And anytime I mentioned Keyshawn, everyone's like, who? And I'm like, just wait, man, this guy can catch the ball. And the thing is, is I was talking to my friend, Matt, who works football this in the spring. And I guess Bryles has been oozing over Keyshawn because every time Keyshawn's always going, hey, coach, let me go deep. Let me go deep. Let me go deep. They don't send him deep, but he's always asking. So he always wants to be making the big play. Secondly, whenever Keyshawn doesn't get the ball, do you know what Bryles is yelling at him during the during a play? Great block, Keyshawn! Great block, Keyshawn! So when he's when he's not getting the ball, he's trying to spring people forward on bigger runs. He's trying to make help his team out. He's doing what he needs to do to get what he needs to get done. And if you have a working his first spring practice as the offensive coordinator, and he's yelling at a true at a as of right now a true freshman going into a sophomore, true sophomore year yelling at him. Great block Keyshawn! Great block Keyshawn! You know that you just have something in the works, man. You just, you just, you just know that there's something good cooking. And okay, to, enough about. Uh, to, I love Keyshawn, but Trayshawn, man, is is right. Is a they're a great one-two punch, an absolute phenomenal one-two punch. Because Keyshawn's got the speed, Trayshawn's got more of the length, and Trayshawn can catch anything, absolutely anything. And where they both dominate is their route running and their manipulation of hands at the point of attack. Anytime the receivers were doing drills, they were always two of the most refined receivers in terms of technique, focusing on what they need to do, staying after practice, catching balls with, like I saw them routinely taking those two in particular, taking reps with DeAndre Francois after practice last, last year. Like they're always working and those two are best, at least i to my what I saw, those two are best friends, Traeshawn and Keyshawn. And they are ballers. No one knows about them right now because they were just freshmen. But I kept saying I kept saying it last year. Everyone kept asking me, Noah, why do we why aren't we doing better on offense? Like what's this whole thing? And I go, There's one thing you can do to make your offense run. And I go, get Keyshawn the ball and get Traishon the ball. Do you know who the only person to score a touchdown against Clemson was? Keyshawn sprung by an awesome Trayshawn block. After I... uh, I I had no choice. I had no choice. So between those two, man, they're going to be so big, and I'm so glad I'm getting this on record before Saturday because everyone's going to... I uh, I promise everyone's going to be coming up to me and at least raving about one of those two. And anytime Keyshawn made a big play or Treshawn made a big play, everyone would try to find me, like during a game, would try to find me on the sideline because they knew I was going to be freaking out. I can't help it because they are so good and so talented. And it's not about if they're good. It's about when they get the opportunity to shine. There's a video of Keyshawn running a f- to, set, to set two receivers to the left, two receivers to the right. He's the slot receiver, the inside receiver on the left side. They send him in motion, in shotgun, send him in motion, and then just give him a fly sweep. So all they're doing is getting the ball, tossing it to him, and he's running around the edge. This is against Boston College, who had a pretty solid defense. They played, ran the ball well, played solid defense. That was BC's MO this past year. There's a video, and you can easily look it up on Twitter, any Instagram, anywhere. He gets the ball. He turns the corner, and this safety from BC comes screaming down the hole, like absolutely screaming down the hole. And they meet probably four yards down the field right at the numbers. And he comes screaming down the hill, down the hole. And will you, will you read me Keyshawn's measurements for me?
0: Uh, it says 5'9, 165 pounds.
1: 5'9, a buck 65. He's not a big dude, but this man. Ran over, like, lowered his left shoulder and ran over this BC safety. Bounced off a little bit to the right and picked up 15 more yards down the sideline. It was a 22-yard run. And he got popped 5 or 7 yards downfield from a screaming ACC safety. And he is 5'9", a buck 65. This dude is a baller. Anytime... Trayshawn got the ball he was at least at least getting eight to ten yards at a minimum and that was a lot of fly sweeps and anytime he got the ball I was like hey I'm not surprised get get two of your best players the ball good things are going to happen one thing that I've always heard of like Bruce Arians I know is uh, I know for a fact Bruce Arians is on record saying this in tough situations and tight situations in game de- deciding situations you don't think what's the best play to call you go where can I get my best player at the ball? TreShaun and Keyshawn are two of those people, and I'm so excited for—I know it's for them to become everyone's favorite FSU football players because I know it's coming. I've seen it; it's been coming for a long time. I will live and die on this hill until the day I die, just like I did with the Saints. But I think I know for a fact that this outcome is going to be better than that outcome. I'm so excited to see what these two can do. And that's
0: presumptuously presumptu- throwing the ball to them is James Blackman. And how big of a weekend is this for James Blackman?
1: I think it's huge. I, th- I, th- I really do think it's huge. But if I'm being honest, he's the guy. I think he knows this. He, he 100% is aware of the situation. Um, he has superb leadership skills. People love playing for Jay Black. Players love playing for Jay Black. He's an easy guy to root for. Um, but for me, he needs to be able to make he needs to be able to go through his reads, make the throws and he can't, he can't be having any errant throws. That that's really what it comes down to because as much as I hate to say it, he's a giraffe. You know, he he he, he is tall, skinny and long, but he throws a pretty football and he's smart. He gets it and has good leadership skills. With the, but he needs to perform and in Briles' offense, most and Taggart's offense, they usually try to have some type of running quarterback. That's not going to be his mo. It's not. It's it's just never going to happen. So he needs to. But the thing is, is he is in such a blessed situation because I think we're going to look back. And I heard someone say it last year, and I agree with it again this year. We're going to look back at what this FSU receiving core roster was like. And we're just going to go, wow, look at the talent. Kind of like what you do with LSU when OBJ and Jarvis Landry got to play on the same team. And now that's happening again in the NFL. But you kind of look back at that receiving core and you go, wow, look at the talent. You look back at that FSU defense, that national championship, you go, wow, look at the talent. I think that's how what we have with this receiving core. I think that's what you have with this running back core. One guy that I don't, before we run out of time, one guy I don't want to forget um, to discuss at the running back position uh, Anthony Grant he was a another I would put him in the same category as Trey Sean, and Keyshawn in terms of freshmen that wowed me this dude in scrimmages would literally be running the ball and there'd another again being a linebacker right in the hole and he would lower his shoulder and he's not a big dude and I don't AG is not a big dude and he would lower his shoulder run the ag's always looking to run someone over but he has the speed in the in the agility to not have to run you over every single time it's not his only trick but he loves doing it and he's so good at it but to get back to jay black jay black just has to operate in the confines of the offense do what he needs to do limit turnovers and he will be fine because he has the leadership and the poise to do so he just needs to be able to deliver athletically and as a football player and as fsu's starting quarterback
0: Had like a couple transfers but the main graduate transfer guy was Alex Hornibrook and I don't think he's a fit at all for this offense but do you think he has any chance to push
1: Blackman when he gets on campus Do you, do you want me to you know where he's from right Wisconsin Wisconsin um, you know how I feel about Wisconsin uh, not a big fan you know they take it to they take it to my Huskers frequently This is how I felt when Alex Hornibrook was starting for Wisconsin Oh Alex Hornibrook starting against my Huskers Psh, we got a shot <laughs> He's great he's a great he's a great insurance policy. He's a great insurance policy if anything happens to J Black. But if I'll put it this way, if he ends up beating out Jay Black, we're in trouble again this year.
0: Well, for our sake, the it never comes to that. Noah, enjoy the spring game, my man. You carried us this podcast. This is your right up your cup valley, so
1: Hey, thanks for having me back on the No Ordinary Pod. That's
0: right. we got on the No Ordinary podcast on the No Ordinary Pod on the Radio St. Pete Network and No Ordinary Podcast Network. So, Noah, take it easy, man. We'll be back next week. We'll have a little. We'll have a report about the game and, yeah, I'm sure there'll be others to talk about infodrafting we'll up and stuff like that. So,
1: appreciate you. Thank you, Michael.
0: No problem. Everyone, enjoy your weekend.